Joining us down the line this afternoon to chat all about it is host of the Cricket Unfiltered podcast, Andrew Menzel. Hello, Manners. Yeah, good day, Matt. How are you? Yeah, very well. How are you doing? Are you enjoying the cricket so far? I am. Very entertaining T20 match to start. Small ground in New Zealand and the Kiwi batters certainly dined out on the Aussie bowling, but still I think the Aussies might be able to chase it down. Yeah, it's going to be a really fun uh, matchup, and uh, we will keep you up to date here on Sport FM this afternoon. What did you think of the opening inning? So, um, yeah, like you said, uh, New Zealand, great stuff from them. Three for 215, great partnership built between Conway and Ravindra. Finn Allen doing his thing, and uh, some nice work as well from Phillips and Chapman towards the end. So uh, they uh, they really feasted out uh, for a little bit there, did New Zealand. Yeah, and uh, those short boundaries did the spinners no favours. At different times, Glenn Maxwell and Adam Zampa got absolutely pounded. Really easy to hit the ball a long way square. It's a rugby field, so the, the square boundaries are very short, and they were just flying. So Zampa actually copped one of the biggest pacings I've seen from him for a while. It's not often he gets collared like that. Some great batting from Devin Conway and Ratchin Ravindra. Um, so, yeah, good good batting for the Kiwis, but... It's certainly conditions in batters' favour. Ravindra and Kane Williamson, they're really the two standouts for me for this New Zealand tour, uh, you know, for, for Australia. I mean, uh, Ravindra, Williamson, the way they've been batting in, in recent uh, times is, has just been so fun to watch, and I think they're going to give the Aussies a lot of trouble. Yeah, most certainly. Um, Ravindra coming off a fantastic 50-over World Cup last year where I think he came of age as a player and really proved himself on the international stage and we know how good Williamson is and I think there is a feeling that Williamson has underperformed against some of the bigger nations in the past so this is a real test for him on in home conditions to really underline that he's you know in that top handful of batters in the world. What are your thoughts on the New Zealand conditions and how the Aussies will look to handle it? I think both bowling attacks match up pretty well, but the the batting is going to be a little bit of a question mark for the Australians when they've been faced with difficult conditions in the home summer when the ball's been moving about. They haven't made a lot of runs, so this is going to be a big test for them. Conditions in New Zealand can be a little bit spicy. There can be a bit of seam, a bit of swing, and it'll be a real test for the Australian top order to see how they cope. And you've still got you know a few question marks for the top order going over there. Marnus Labuschagne has been in um, patchy form. Cameron Green still trying to um, lock down that number four spot. So I, I actually think the batters have a big challenge and they need to get enough runs to help our bowling attack get the win. Do you think Cameron Green will do enough to um, be a part of that World Cup 11 for Australia? I mean, we've got the IPL coming up, so if he has a really good uh, tournament, over in India, I think that um, it's certainly a possibility. Do you expect him to get back in that uh, World Cup 11? Look, I think for the T20 side, he's probably just on the outer at the moment. He might make the squad of 15, depending on how they, how many spinners they want to take um, and how many all-rounders. But I think just at the moment, looking at the way this team's shaping up, you know, they want Head and Warner at the top. Then we've got Mitch Marsh, Maxwell... Inglis or Stoinis at five, Tim David, Matty Wade, and then the bowlers. So there's, there's no real room at the moment for Cam Green in the T20 side. And I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. I think 
he probably could do with the solid period of just focusing on mm. the longer game. I know he's playing in the IPL, and, and you're right, look, that's a huge... Um, the IPL is going to be huge in determining who's in form, and maybe if you, yeah. if you make a late run, you know, if Cameron Green has a you know, incredible IPL, it'll hard not to put him in the squad. But I would say at the moment, I don't think he'll go. Okay. Um, now, what about Jason Berendorf? Uh, surprising mm, to me that him. surprising to me that he didn't uh, get picked um, to, to head over to New Zealand as part of this Australian team. Um, surprising because you're in WA? Yes, or? yes. We've seen him firsthand <laughs> for, for many, many years doing his thing and... Um, yeah, he's such a great bowler, and I know that you know he's going to get some opportunities down the line. But were you surprised to not see him picked? No, not at all. And and, and unfortunately, Berendorf is in the situation where he is a like for like replacement for Mitchell Stark when Mitchell Stark has been unavailable, and that, especially when you know Cummins, Stark, and Hazelwood are sort of in and out of the team. They like Berendorf; he's an experienced player; he can lead the attack. But the fact that Hazelwood, Stark and Cummins are all over in the T20 squad, it's a much better opportunity to bring someone like Spencer Johnson in who's maybe going to be someone who's around for the next four or five years, maybe longer at the top level. So I think the right time to have a look at Spencer Johnson and, and there are probably other bowlers that Berendorf's competing with is Nathan Ellis. And I think Ellis brings a different skill set different type of bowler so that's probably a reason they've gone for him and you know unfortunately Berendorf's just one of the many many quicks around the country at the moment that are you know behind you know that big three in the pecking order okay well um talk to us about Spencer Johnson what are your expectations for him um in this series and in the build-up to uh, a world cup year yeah well he's, he's sort of Mitchell Stark's understudy isn't he I think you know, Mitchell Stark should go to the 20-over World Cup. He might go to the 50-over Champions Trophy in, in a couple of years but or next year. But then I think you'll you'll probably see someone like a Spencer, Spencer Johnson play a lot more international cricket. And, look, I've seen him up close um, a lot, and he's a, he's just a class bowler. He bowls quick. He gets the ball to move. He's, he's um, you know, a real competitor. And, um, you know, we just saw in the tail end of that big bash season, how well he did for the Brisbane Heat, and, you know, them surging to the title. I mean, he Spencer Johnson's the real deal. I mean, he's got pace, he's got movement, um, and, yeah, he's ready for international cricket. So, um, hopefully we see him out there in one of these games. I can't imagine Stark will play all three. Okay. Australia, one for 29, 3.4 overs gone. So, Travis Head out uh, for 24 off of 15. He was bowled by... Milne, so uh, yeah, the first wicket has fallen for Australia. Uh, Warner currently not out on five, and Mitch Marsh will come in to bat. Um, Manners, uh, you know, we, we've been speaking about some of the young players potentially coming in uh, for Australia in the next couple of years. How long do you think it will be before we really see a, a complete overhaul and, you know, the likes of your David Warners, your Mitch Starks, Cummins, etc., etc. Um, you know, do move on. Yeah, well, Warner said he'll retire at the end of this T20 World Cup, so that's a, a line in the sad moment, line in the sand moment for his international career. And then I, I think it's, I was thinking about this the other day. Actually, I was you know musing on this in my quiet time. And usually, the, these things don't pan out the way you think they are. Players can drop off form, players can get injured, and all of a sudden you're in a period of transition. 
And so for, say, Stark and Hazelwood, who are a little bit older than Cummins, you're just never quite sure when they're going to lose that little bit of zip that brings them back to the pack a little bit. Um, But I think we'll see that in the next two or three years. We've got India coming out here next summer for a test series, and then the summer after that is the Ashes. So the end of that home Ashes is a natural end point for a sort of cycle. You know, so you might see Mitchell Stark try and finish that summer and then retire. Josh Hazelwood again, he might be around the same time. And then the other one is Usman Khawaja. You know, how long will he go on for? He's, he's the same age as David Warner. He's been in good form, but, you know, sometimes you know, batter's eyes just go and who knows when Khawaja will sort of take a bit of a dip. So I think we'll start to see in the next two two summers you know, younger players coming in. Okay, who out of the, the, the Shield has really impressed you as we build towards the uh, Sheffield Shield finals? Obviously, Cam Bancroft, um, really good stuff from him, another century. Will Pukowski, great to see him uh, with a century. And um, hopefully he can put, you know, his health issues behind him and, you know, potentially look at getting some opportunities for Australia in the near future. Um, who's really impressing you in the Shield uh, in terms of individuals heading into finals? Yeah, well, um, well, I'll start with the, the, the player you mentioned, Will Bukowski. I was at the SCG for a lot of his innings against New South Wales, and he spoke to the Victorian State Cricket Podcast about um, the fact that he feels ready for international cricket now, and he's ready to string games together. And he oozes class. He just looks like a, a test player. He seems to have so much time in the crease. He's a lovely stroke player. And he's also got the ability to sort of dig in and play for a long time. So I think he's certainly, um, you know, really important for the future of Australian cricket and someone who could lead Victoria to a Sheffield title. Um, obviously, Cam Green made a good 100 for WA last weekend. That was fantastic to see him get a first-class 100. Yep. And WA, you know, just hanging in there in, um, I think, what, third spot in the Shield ladder with New South Wales in fourth spot. So it's really interesting in the, with two rounds to go. Tasmania and Victoria have edged in front. Um, but, yeah, yeah, New South Wales and WA still have a chance to sneak in there. Mm. Shouldn't be a Caleb Jewell made a double hundred against you lot for Tasmania. Yeah. And that was a really impressive innings, and he's struggled all summer. And just before the summer, I heard him interviewed, and you know, he said he'd never feel better. He'd got a three-year contract. He was feeling great about his game. Well, that's that's you know led to a massive form dip, but he's turned it around, and and maybe the Tasmanians could sneak a shield title for the first time in about twenty years. Well, they sit on top. Uh, they have the um, maybe uh, not Vic- they have Victoria, maybe. yeah, and then uh, and then South Australia. So. Yeah, you'd probably expect them to get at least one of those two and you, you feel as though they will finish in the top two. It, I'm guessing it's going to depend on Victoria WA um, in terms of how uh, the, the season does play out for the top two. Um, but like you said, you know, New South Wales, they're, they're in abouts as well. So it's going to be a really, really fun um, couple of matches to come in the Sheffield Shield. And I like the Victorian pace attack. I like the Victorian yeah, pace attack. Yeah. Mitch Perry, Fergus O'Neill... And Will Sutherland, that's, that's a good young attack and enjoyable to watch. It is. It is, you know, along with Scotty Boland there, uh, ever so consistent. Yeah, really, uh, really like uh, Victoria and, and what they've done in this Sheffield Shield season. Um, 
And man, it's just before I do let you go, let's turn our attention to the women's game. Uh, we recently saw the, uh, the only test here uh, in Perth at the Wacker between Australia and South Africa and Annabelle Sutherland. <laughs> Didn't she turn it on? Uh, what did you make of, of that series with South Africa and, and the Aussies win? Well, in the end, uh, a pretty convincing win for Australia, winning 12 points to four, and they absolutely thumped South Africa in the test match. It was a dominant performance, and I I was really impressed with the character it showed of the Australian side. They knocked South Africa over for 75 or 76, uh, 76, I think it was, and yep. you know they were three for 12 in reply, and you know that's a nervous little situation, even though you're facing a small total, but from there, they just exploded, and uh, my, my little bugbear of the whole match is the fact that Elisa Healy declared on Kim Garth on 49 not out <laughs> because, um, you know, women's players get so few opportunities to play test cricket and even less to get a test 50. So I thought that was a poor decision from Healy. I don't think it was malicious. I think it was just poor management. You know, they don't play a lot of first-class cricket and Darcy Brown, number 11, wasn't even padded up. So it was getting ready to bowl, but I don't know. Women's players only play two tests a year, so I think you can just pad up if you're in the batting order. Yeah, it was it was interesting, wasn't it? Um, that declaration and when it did come, because you know after Sutherland went out, you thought, all right, well now they're just going to declare straight away, uh, but they didn't, and they they kept batting for a little bit, and then you know she gets to forty nine, and you think, well, you know, go for a half century at least, and then declare, and then you know she calls it. It was it was very strange, but um, nonetheless, you know, South Africa they, they put up a decent little um, defence. Uh, in their second innings, but uh, the Aussies obviously too good. Uh, so Australia right now one for 44, 4.4 overs gone. Marsh not out on 10 and Warner uh, not out on 10 as well. They, their target is 216. Menas, thank you very much for your time on the show today. Uh, it's been a pleasure chatting and uh, all the very best. Enjoy the rest of your week. Yeah, thanks, Manny. Cheers.